0: My name is Caleb Dillam with White Metal Games. And I'm Phil Corma with Brushwork Minis. And this is War Council episode, episode, episode 28. Uh, today we're going to be interviewing Mr. Justin of uh, Secret Weapon Miniatures. Um, Secret Weapon Miniatures is a, um, I guess you'd call it kind of a, a one-stop hobby shop. They have everything from resin bases to pigmented washes, acrylic paints, terrain boards, terrain pieces, just about anything. Um, So we're going to be talking to Mr. Justin about uh, how he built Secret Weapon, um, really from nothing, um, how he moved from the Fortune 500 industry into the hobby market, and um, what his unique range of products brings to the industry. Uh, Before we jump into that, though, we're going to uh, jump into our intro and talk about what all has been going on recently uh, here at White Metal and Brushwork Minis. Um, So uh, first off, Memorial Day is coming up. We've got Memorial Day in a couple weeks. Um, Philip, do you have any plans for the holiday? Uh, probably working. <laughs> I'll be oh, okay. on vacation, so basically,
1: home. for the week prior to that, so when I come back, I'm going to definitely be work. So,
0: now that you're home employed, and when you say vacation, I guess you're just yeah. taking a vacation. Right? I'm going up to
1: Vermont, so, oh, okay.
0: yeah. What does one do in Vermont? Ski, I'm guessing?
1: Um, uh, I have no idea. I'm, I'm going up there on, like, a, just a trip uh, with my family. Oh, cool. So, it's just an opportunity to kind of get away and visit an area I've never been to. Um, what, uh, are they... Um, so whenever I hear Vermont, I just either think cheese or skiing. I don't know why. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping for, I know Maine is next to Vermont, but I'm hoping for some nice, delicious crab or lobster. <laughs> that sounds good.
0: <laughs> um, we always go camping for Memorial Day. There's a park in Virginia we always visit right outside of Williamsburg. And uh, I can't think of the name of the park right now, but it's, uh, it's really nice. But because I'm always behind on work, I always end up taking work with me. So mm. I basically go from cutting miniatures and painting miniatures at my table in the house to doing them at a picnic table outside, Um, which is a little weird because you're on a camping (laughs) trip and you look over and people are like doing camping things like fishing and making a fire and I'm like cutting sprues and like, you know, you laugh, but I swear to God, I do this every year and every year I tell myself this year I'm going to be caught up, this year it's not going to be a problem, but I already have started to assemble my list for things I have to work on while I'm there and I've got like a whole (laughs) corn project I have to put together. I've got a bunch of Demon Princes I've been meaning to work on. I've got a new Retribution of Cyber project. Uh, and on top of that, I've got this Hierotitan. So I've got, like, a full docket of work for those three days. And, and at some point, I'm going to have to actually do camping stuff. Like, we do, like, a crab a crab boil every year. And uh, this year, they rented a boat, so we're going to go out on a boat for a that while. sounds like, good. Yeah, it should be fun. Um, it's not Wisconsin, it's not Vermont lobster, but it's, uh, oh, well, it should be okay. <laughs> Uh, All right, so uh, moving on to other things. Uh, Recently, as as you guys well know, we've been trying to partner up with different businesses and and trying to find different ways to integrate our product line. Um, Rob Baer of Spiky Bits has been working closely with us, and one of the things that we've been able to do is because we are a painting studio, we have armies coming through the studio all the time. Uh, One of the armies that came through our studio recently was an Orc Mad Max tribute army, and that army was featured on a couple battle reports um, at Spiky Bits, um, you could have accessed them before uh, they hit YouTube um, through their, their Vimeo channel on the Long War, which is thelongwar.net, um, and you can uh, find a link to that probably in the show notes. I'll put a, a link in there. But um, the video premiered on, on YouTube a couple days ago, and it was pretty well received. People generally seemed to like the army. The comments were nice. Um, they did a narrative campaign, or a narrative
1: yeah. battle with it, which was cool. It was They had kind of special rules, I think, for the orcs right. uh, that kind of fit the theme, and uh, the whole storyline and what they're... Like. The first
0: battle was, like, I think 1,500 points with Dark Angels, and they mm-hmm. fought over the war rig, which was kind of fun. Yeah. Because it's such a big model, it's almost too big yeah. for a gaming model. Um, so, so they wisely used it as, like, a relic or yeah. whatever, capture the... the what ball. a relic. Oh, yeah. my God, yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, the first game, I, I I got to play it for one game, and um, literally the, the vehicle... Um, Whenever you move over difficult terrain, you have to make a difficult terrain check. And on this particular occasion, despite the fact that I had whatever the equivalent of like a re-roll is, like a boarding a ramp or a, a ram or a, a dozer blade or whatever the <laughs> orc equivalent of that is, I had one of those. Um, and despite that, I rolled once. So the first time I tried to move the war rig, it just crapped out. <laughs> so it literally just sat there the whole game. And the guy who I was playing joked with me the whole time. He was like, you didn't do the sequence right. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, in the movie. like there's a sequence of switches. You didn't hit the kill switch. <laughs> and I was like, all right. Uh, but it was fun to see the video up there. And this is something that we offer to all of our clients. We have a towel project coming through right now that Valentin's working on. And um, hopefully the client will allow us to use that in a battle report as well. Um, speaking of battle reports, we want to get into doing more battle reports. Um, but we've been having an opening open dialogue about that recently, about what we want to see in battle reports. We'd love to know what you guys would like to see. Um, obviously, lots of companies do them. You know, Blue Table does them. Mini Wargaming does them. Uh, Spiky Bits does them. So we've had a kind of an open discussion about what it is we think should be in them and how they should be portrayed. Literally everything from what camera angles to use to what sort of equipment to use. So, now is your chance, if you'd like to have an opinion about this, email us at info at whitemetalgames.com or war council at com. Let us know your opinion about Battle Reports, what you'd like to see in them, what you don't want to see in them. Um, I know you've been watching some Battle Reports on um, Twitch TV recently.
1: Um, yeah, well, those are live, so they're uh, they're the full game, two right. and a half, three hours sometimes, so they get very long. Um, yeah. But they're great for me because I like to hobby. I, yeah. My preference is generally, I like
0: to see what's happening on the sure. table even if it's like shortened um frontline gaming they've um we've i've watched a couple of theirs and theirs are actually pretty great they've got yeah. a, a nice wide shot and they've got kind of a dice camera view mm-hmm. um of course it's always on their pretty they're very nice maps plus their terrain projects are there uh, plus you get a chance to like literally talk and, and see well you can sort of get to talk with them. you can leave comments yeah. and stuff you can ask questions and they'll, they'll reply to them so they're pretty good at that awesome um so if you have a uh, you know interest in letting us know about what you think we should do for our battle reports now's the time to get your opinion in because within a month we'll be hopefully re- recording our first ones and then it'll be too late so let us know what you're interested in let us know what you what you like and uh, that kind of thing speaking of frontline gaming as you guys well know now they are a sponsor for the show they're our first o- official sponsor they'll be sponsoring the painting desk section um literally coming up next on the show Um, in accordance with that, I want to give away a fat mat, um, as a, as a sort of a perk to our, our listener base, but we're trying to figure out, we tried to figure out basically how to hold a contest for this that would be, uh, most, I guess, illustrious. Um, so what we, what we know right now is that we are gaining listenership on a very steady basis, but we still don't have a lot of ratings on iTunes. So here's what we're proposing, um, we're going to have a FatMat giveaway. It's not this week. Uh, the FatMat giveaway will be on the next podcast. It'll be on our next episode, not this one. So it gives you a, a couple of weeks to listen to this for people to catch up. And then on the next podcast, episode 29, we're going to do the giveaway. Here's the way the giveaway works um, we would like for you to go to our iTunes page and leave a rating on the page. Um, that's not necessarily, you know, indicative of what you have to do, but we would really appreciate it. What you have to do is you have to go to our Facebook page, which is our War Council Facebook page, which there will be a link to that in our show notes, um, in the intro section. You need to go there. When we post the link to episode 29, we always post like a, a short post that says episode 29 is now live. Here's what's covered in the episode. You must comment in the comment section of that episode so on the facebook page go to the episode 29 post leave a comment in the comment section and that's it um really Mm -hmm. that's all you have to do leave a comment let us know what you like (laughs) let us know if you like the show if you don't like the show what you'd like to hear on the show um this is a platform for you to tell us what you'd like next um um, and, and just sort of like reach out to us. We're hoping to connect with our client base. Um, after we'll give that um, uh, a week or two, probably we'll give that we'll, we'll probably give that two weeks and then we'll announce the winner on this, on the next podcast. Um, that would make sense. I think we do a podcast every two weeks.. Yes. So from the date of that blog post, you'll have two weeks to basically enter that contest by leaving a comment. And then at the end of that two weeks, we will do a draw. And' we'll, uh, anyone who leaves a comment, We will enter your name into the draw. We'll randomly select one winner to win a fat mat of choice. Uh, It can be any fat mat they currently offer in their store, anything 6x4, 4x4, 3x3, whichever one you want. You just let us know. We will have it drop shipped directly to you. Um, So you can pick any mat, and um, that's it. That's all it takes to win. So thank you, Frontline Gaming, for allowing us to... uh, not only sell your mats to your Outrider program, but also be a sponsor on the show. And now you guys are going to benefit from that literally with a mat. Yeah. Um, so everyone wins. Um, all right, before we jump into On the Painting Desk, I want to talk a little bit about Kickstarter because I've, I've had uh, this last week. Uh, I've gotten a couple of requests for um, a game called Blood, Blood Blood Path. I think that's what it's called. Yeah. Anyway, so um, with with the advent of Kickstarter and people making more and more miniatures games, I'm getting we're getting more and more quotes for them. But one of the things I've recently learned is that you can you can buy a lot of stuff on Kickstarter and then you're broke. So you don't have a lot of money for commissions. Like So you don't actually have money to have the models painted. Um, so it's kind of raised the question in my mind, is there a good way to do this? Is there a good way that we as a studio can benefit from Kickstarter despite the fact that people are kind of spending all their money on the models? Because I get that comment a lot from clients. They'll say, like, well, I spent a lot of money on my models. And, that doesn't really help me as a business owner. It's like, well, I'm sorry you spent all your money yeah. on <laughs> yeah. You know, we, we can't discount our service because of that. Uh, but what it, ha- what it has made me think of is that a lot of the Kickstarter models are not only one are they board game pieces, so they usually come fully assembled, so we can use our board game rate for that, our RPG rate. But in addition to that, they're usually kind of lower detail. I mean, when you think about game Typically, pieces, yeah. they're, not, they're not as detailed as, say, a Reaper miniature or a GW miniature. Um, so I don't know. I've just been thinking a lot about like, is there a way to be more competitive with our rates for those? And if so, how do we do that? Um, so this isn't really like, I haven't really come to any conclusions. I've just sort of been thinking about, is there a way to do this? So I don't know. Um, I want more Kickstarter projects, but at the same time we have to make money as a studio. Um, so I guess what I would say is if you bring us more product, we can give you a volume discount. That's one nice thing. Um, we also have a recurring a revolving discount whereas if you bring us a new product every 30 days from the date of your last one you save um, 8% on labor and that's called our keep them going discount um, nice. and so you don't have to drop all of your Kickstarter product at one time you can do one set and then on the next set qualify for the keep them going discount and, nice and then you'll save right yeah because I think that happens a lot people like decide they have, they have a massive collection and they're like I must have it all painted well that's not true I mean, I bought a house, but it's hardly, like, we've refurbished every room. We can still live there. We can still enjoy the home without having everything painted, Um, you know. uh, So you have to sort of, what I would say is much like restoring a house, take your time. Do one project at a time. Do one box set at a time. Like, don't just do, like, a a dump where you just, like, dump all of your project on us at once and then expect us to paint it for lower. That's not fair. Um, Treat it like anything else. Like, treat it like any hobbyist or, or any, treat it like any contractor, like, if I hire a guy to, to fix up my house, I'm not like, hey, can you build me a deck and refurbish my bathroom and do the bathroom, and I don't have a lot of money. Like, well, fuck off, man. Like, I don't fucking, <laughs> like I'm sorry, but, yeah. you know, I want lots of things, too. <laughs> you know? So, anyway. All right, we're going to take a brief break, and when we jump back in, we're going to jump into On the Painting Desk right after this. Hey, guys. P.D. Pop here from Frontline Gaming. Are you tired of playing tabletop games on the same old foldable table? you have to lug around a bulky Roma Battle table terrain set? Looking for a gaming mat to match the theme of your army and wow your friends? Then look no further than the Frontline Gaming and Tablework Fat Mat series. Our Fat Mats are durable, waterproof, and come in 6x4 foot, 4x4 foot, and 3x3 foot sizes. With over 25 different images to choose from, we have a Fat Mat for every tabletop game. Get yours today at FrontlineGaming.org. Alright guys, welcome back um and by the way you just heard the new uh, promo for uh, frontline gaming uh, so that's their new ad for us as a sponsor of the show if you're interested in being a sponsor on the show contact us at war at white metal sponsorship uh, opportunities are available and are limited um, so contact us soon uh philip what have you been working on recently on your painting desk
1: well, uh, for those of you who have been listening to our last few podcasts, it's the same project: Age of Sigmar, Stormcast, Eternals. They are almost done. There is um, an end in sight. There's, there's, there's there's a, end a, there is, there is, there is, you know, a light at the end of the day. yes. Um, so <laughs> there's only three models left. They are the biggest and the most detailed models, but sure. they will be hopefully done. Really, I think by the time we do our next podcast, they should yeah, be Yeah, I think
0: we talked about, like, basically, by by the end of Memorial Day holiday, you'll mm-hmm. be done. So, like, by, by June 1st. And that's
1: taking into consideration that I am going to be gone for an entire week. So, yeah. they would have been done sooner.
0: But, yeah, almost finished. Now, so people don't think that it's like we were slacking. This is over a $5,000 commission. This is a mm-hmm. massive commission. It's a combination of terrain. It's a huge army. It's high-level detailed work. It's like the base figures are Electrum. The high-level mm-hmm. figures are Platinum. Tons of magnetized um, options tons of with free hand on every Lots single magnetized <laughs> option. So this is like, this particular client, he just pulled out all of the perks. Yeah. And um, he just wants a very, very, uh, he wants a great project. And mm-hmm. I think he's going to get that as well. He's been looking at the work in progress as we've advanced it. He's been super pleased. Um, couldn't have been more supportive. And we're really excited to see how this finishes up. Uh, are you are you wiped out of gold or are you just exhausted from gold?
1: Actually no, I thought I would be, but now yeah. I'm even considering a gold like ultramarine of army. Of course you are. Yeah. So, why not? <laughs> <I'm> like, yeah. <laughs> flavor of the day.
2: Yeah. My flavor of the day. It <laughs> sure. changes from day to day, but
0: <laughs> um, Valentin was, was trying to tell me about this drone, this Tal drone project. And um, he was like he was kind of like he was so excited about it, and um, I was excited for him. But it's funny that like we get into these army ideas in our mind and it's like this is a cool idea but someone else looks at the project and goes, Eh, it's just meh like I looked at the army and I was like, All right, so it's a bunch of drones. It's like, that's fine. Like, it's okay. But it seems like a lot of work to basically you know, convert a bunch of drones into this counts as my drone riptide. It's like, all right man, I don't know about that. Um, I guess my point is, is we like what we like, yeah, you know, that kind of thing, um, but, I, but I feel you. That's one of the nice things about being a commissioned painter is that you're always getting to try around new paint schemes, like you're yeah. never really stuck on the same thing. Um, speaking of being done with stuff, we finally finished up that massive Kingdom Death project. It is done. Fine. That's been going on <laughs> since mid-January, so it's been about four Huge months. project, yeah. That was literally, uh, it was the original core game, plus uh, he got a ton of expansions, he got a, a second Phoenix, a second set of Phoenix survivors, mm-hmm. more lion survivors, another Watcher, um, like six Kingsmen uh, plus the hand, plus six unique survivors. Like It was it was insane. It was a yeah. huge project. It's like 70-something miniatures, I think you said. All high all level, goal, all gold. Yeah. Um, and uh, he was just a really magnanimous buyer. We really appreciate that. And um, one of the nice things about that is we have seen some spillover from that Kingdom Death project. In fact, if you Google Kingdom Death Painted, miniatures, commissions, you'll find us, like, nine times out of ten. Really? Yeah. Like, no one else is really doing it. And I don't know if it's because they're not advertising well, they're not, they're not SEOing, I don't know, is that right? Search engine optimizing. <laughs> they're not tagging their projects very well. So uh, now, the problem is that I've learned is that Kingdom Death does not have a really strong support product line. Like, I can't go buy the core game right no, now. It's sold like out. Right. I can't go to their store and buy it. It doesn't show when it's going to be back in stock. It probably... Uh, based on what I've read, the game isn't going to be in
1: stock for a while. They have to actually mm. or go contact to the Chinese yeah, manufacturers and remake the entire. So thing. because
0: of that, like we'll put it up on like eBay as a service, but we don't actually include the cost of the models. We'll say we say like you must supply your mm-hmm. own models to make this happen. And so far, that's been pretty good. Most people that have the product understand that that's the case. But I've been contacted by a couple people offering me absurd amounts of money for the core game. And I'm like, I don't have it. Yeah. I, no one has it. You either got lucky and yeah. have it, or you don't. <laughs> yeah. I think it
1: goes for like 1500 on eBay. Oh, my God. And the insane. original game cost $100 when yeah. people first got through
0: that's Kickstarter. Crazy. And, you know, it's a good game. So. It's a good-looking game. Yeah. Um, but it's like, fun. Yeah, it, it's cool. And you've been playing it for a while, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, so the Kingdom Death project is done. I've got a Helios Guard project I'm finishing up this weekend. That's a custom Space Marine chapter. Um, with Imperial Knight Renegade being in full-fledged now, we've had several requests for knights. I've got two Grey Knights that are two Imperial Grey Knight commissions on my desk currently. Both of those are basically giant Grey Knights. uh, Which are fun. (laughs) And we're going to use, we figured out we can use the, the second knight in the kit, the uh, I don't know what to call it, the less premium night. The one without the, the standard, exterior, standard yeah. knight. standard yeah, knight. We'll call it standard That sounds better. So we're going to use that, and we're going to custom build some chaos knights. We're going to use some of the resin kits they have out there mm-hmm. from Forge World for that. So that'll be a lot of Looks fun. awesome. So, a lot of detail on those. Car- like, is it carapace
1: or whatever the... Yeah, I think shooting. that's right. Carapace is
0: a good way yeah. to put it, yeah. Um, it, it's a great-looking kit, but man, does it take... Like, people don't really fully appreciate how long it takes to build one of these. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, and we've built about 10, so we're pretty good at it. And they still take like about three or four hours a piece. Mm-hmm. Cause when you consider the, the magnetization and all the little doodads that go on, all the different options and no one ever wants it without the options. Of course, That's everyone bad. wants everything yeah. magnetized <laughs> and to be competitive, you have to be really, really stringent with it. Like, cause on eBay, I keep getting underbid by all these different services that are like, I'll do it for three twenty five And I'm like, God, I guess I have to match that. Yeah. Um, uh, but the reality is you're getting a real deal when you do it that way. Um, because what I'm waiting for is someone to be like, I just want the Warden, so that I can have all those extra bits left over, and I can use those to, like, convert something. I don't know what yet, but something. Um, all right, so uh, aside from the Night Madness we've got going on, I've got two Crimson Hunters on my desk that just got finished up. Those are for a Eldor project. Um, they're kind of a, a, a copy, I wouldn't say a copy, copies are a tribute, maybe? Um, so they, the, the client, in this case, found an Awakened Realms project they really liked, and uh, they are having us duplicate that. And this got me thinking about the fact that people send us links from other people's work all the time, but, you know, it's, I don't know, it's its a kind of like, just once I would like for someone to be like, hey, we want you to copy your own work because your work is great. <laughs> like, I get tired of copying other studios' work. Like, you know, I want someone to be like, uh, just do it your way, you know, but normally I think people need a, a way to visualize, yeah. and that's, the reality is, like, these other studios have... Huge portfolio. Well, what's curious to me
1: is why you wouldn't actually get the person who made it in the first Price, place. I think. I guess. I think price. Uh, but I, mean, I thought be. we've pretty been we're pretty competitive. I yeah, mean, we're it's close pretty competitive. That. Like so we're very like
0: similar it's... to the way Awakened Realms prices. It's curious to me, but... So I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I'm not I'm not gonna tell them like just go to Awakened Realms. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm not <laughs> gonna do that. <laughs> um, so uh, Valentin's finishing up the Tau Army, although a new figure has been added to that. We're gonna add an X V109, which is a riptide size suit from Forge World. So we put in a big Forge World War the other day. Um, one of the fun things about... I used to watch these videos on, with, uh, on, on uh, Blue Table with Sean where he'd do these unboxings. And he would like try to stack up the kits to see how high he could get them. And he'd go from floor to ceiling, that kind of thing. <laughs> and at the time, I was like, that's ridiculous. We'll never get there. And now I have these orders come in from our distributor. And they're like, you know, 10 or 20 kits. And I'm like, oh, this is, yeah. how, this is how you get there. <laughs> oh, I see. So um, as our service has grown, it's been nice to kind of see... It's kind of fun. It's like Mm -hmm. every time I go shopping, it's like, oh, this is fun. I I like like (laughs) this. Um, So, uh, because, you know, the guys at the game store know me now. So, like, if I roll in there, they know I'm about to drop bank. Yeah, they love you. They do, for sure. Dennis is working on an LED hammerhead. So, look for that. And that's going to be coming up soon. We're going to put that for sale on eBay. We're trying to get into the LED market. And we also have plans to do a knife scythe and a doom scythe and a firestorm readout. So, that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, before we move on from On the Painting Desk, uh, I, I wanted to pose a question. I'm seeing more and more Age of Sigmar commissions come through. Mm-hmm. In addition to the Stormcast stuff, on eBay, we keep getting peppered with these little commissions, like a Celestan Prime, a Relictor, a this, a that. So I'm starting to see a resurgence of Age of Sigmar, whereas in the beginning, people weren't that into it. I'm seeing a lot of it now, or at least enough to notice a difference. Yeah. Do you think this is because of all the FAQ stuff and GW's going to release an official... Definitely. Point system. I so think that's, that's the
1: biggest... Yeah. I mean, people want to... Even if they don't play the game, they like... Personally, like, I like to know that there's some sort of stat or something I can attribute to that squad that I purchased. Sure. Not just, it looks nice in a case. Right. And I think that's where GW was struggling for a while. They were thinking that, hey, all their models, people just buy them because they like miniatures. They're a miniature fat, uh, company. Sure. As opposed to a gaming company. And I think now that they've actually realized that was a huge mistake... They've been adding... They're going to do the point system for Age of Sigmar. They're going to redo the FAQ for 40K. (laughs) So, it's definitely... I think it's going to help um, blow Age of Sigmar up a lot. I think the tournaments will actually start springing up with Age of Sigmar. That would be great, because so
0: far, Kings of War has kind of taken that mantle. Like mm-hmm. basically, after Age of Sigmar launched, and there was no more points, like Kings of War was like, "All right, we'll take care of this." Yep, which is great. Well, they loved it. I mean, oh, yeah. for sure. Um, but cool. I think that you're right. I think that GW quickly realized, like, "Oh, this uh, yeah, we, we lost our mind. marketing resources highly flawed." Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. We should probably have a game with our with our miniatures. That makes sense. Yeah. Like we figured this out 30 years ago, but we forgot. Yeah. Uh, so I'm actually really glad to see this, and uh, it's actually kind of. Kind of times out great because we're just about to launch our new basing page. And one of the services we're going to offer is a rebasing service. So if you have old Warhammer models and you want to have those rebased, contact us at info at We'll be happy to develop a quote for you. And basically the way this works is you'll send us your old models. We will rebase them for you. We will um, pull them off their old ones, safely put them on new bases like the rounded oval ones, for a fair price. Um, We'll rebase them in a style that you like. This is also a great opportunity if you want to move to resin bases. Now's a good time to do that. So we can mount them to the resin bases and paint those up. Um, And certainly with Secret Weapon Miniatures having such a great supply, you can really kind of just look over there, find what you like, let us know. We'll offer you uh, uh, about, I think we're going to be able to offer like 20% off their product um, uh, through our distributor. So we'll be able to give you their bases at a Mm -hmm. discount. Um, so, it's a great time to rebase your army. If you're ready to get back into Warhammer, I don't know what we call it, ninth edition maybe? What are they going to I call think it, it is eighth, eighth edition. Uh, yeah, I don't know. The new edition. Um, now's a great time to have your models rebased and, and made ready for that. Uh, okay, we're going to take a brief break. And when we jump back in, we're going to use our rotating segment to talk about business mentoring today and a new pilot program we're going to launch. And we will be right back after this. If you're interested in advertising on War Council, let us know. We can be reached at warcouncil at whitemetalgames.com. Rates are extremely competitive, but there are limited slots available, so please contact us soon. Hey guys, welcome back. We're going to jump into our rotating segment for the week, and this week we're going to talk about mentoring. Um, Talking to Justin today um, has got me thinking a little bit about small business and how that all works. And, um, I think that the, the, um, the, the, uh, the IRS qualifies as small businesses. I don't want to say anything under like either 25, employees or 20 employees or so lots of businesses, mm-hmm. like all businesses yeah. for the most part, if you're not a big business really. Um, but you know, growing your business is a real challenge. One of the interesting things about having Jonathan around is I've been watching him struggle with his commissions, like not getting them and how to build your brand and how to, find clients like he's just been really kind of like he's not a bad painter he's a good guy but the problem now is that facebook business profiles have made having your own business page easy anyone can do it you don't have to have a website Lots of these, like, little miniature services sort of pop up, and they're competing against each other, and the market is way oversaturated. And in most cases, these aren't really businesses. They're just people that are advertising, like, hey, I'll paint your models for you. So it's a business in a loose sense in terms of you send them models and you pay a fee to have it painted. But it's not a business in terms of, like, they're not an official business and they're not registered with the federal government. Right Now, that doesn't necessarily mean there's anything wrong with that. When I first got started, I was the same way, too. But what I will say is, like, wow, is there a bunch of them out there. So it's harder to be recognized. And I'm really glad we kind of got started when we did because now we're over that hurdle. We've saturated our market and and we are a a recognizable name in the industry, which makes me very pleased. But it's got me thinking about how to build up, how these painters can can get noticed. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm going to launch today is I'm going to launch a referral paint program. And I'm going to briefly outline it now and tell people about it. And the way this works is that um, let's say you're a client and you contact us um, and you want us to quote a a board game. And let's say we quote $1,000 for the board game. We say it will cost this much, $1,000 for us to paint it. And let's suppose that that's just too steep for you. Like it's just too high. So if we we have six requests for quotes a week and three of those convert into projects, we have three clients that basically leave us unsatisfied. They don't have a quote for a model they can afford and they don't have their models painted. And I've been thinking about all that lost business, and is there a way we can translate that into sales? And my thought process was, smaller businesses that don't have the overhead that we do, that are newer, that are hungrier for work, that are building their portfolios, that frankly have a more competitive rate, uh, could basically quote those projects. But the question is, how do you connect our clients, our potential clients that don't use our service, Mm -hmm. with those painters? And my answer for that is a referral program. So what we're going to do is we're going to have two to three slots for painters that we are going to um, act as kind of a patron for you. So if you are a painter, um, you can contact us at info at We're looking for two to three services to start this pilot program. For, For sake of argument right now, let's call them ABC service and XYZ service. So we will basically talk with you online over Skype over the phone, whatever. We will look at your portfolio, look at your business. We may have you do a sample commission for us. And once we are satisfied that you are providing a high quality product with great customer service, great turnaround, and basically in short, or a business we would vouch for. Mm-hmm. Then what we'll do is when clients come to us and they cannot afford our rates, we will refer them to you. So you will basically be able to take advantage of our website, all of our all of the stuff that brought them in, that got them to us. You'll be able to take advantage of that. We'll refer the client to you. We'll give them we'll, – we'll check with the client first, of course. We're not going to just, like, pass yourself right. off. <laughs> but basically, we're generating a lead. We're saying, mm-hmm. here is someone that absolutely wants this model painted. We could, not, we could not go cheap enough for them. So here's how to reach out to them. They're expecting your email. They're expecting a quote from you. Here's how to reach them. And we will take a finder's fee for it. So we won't make anywhere near as much as we would have, but we'll make something – and the painters will basically make the same fee as though if they were on staff with us, albeit at a more competitive rate. So let's, so, let's suppose ABC Paint Service quoted that project at seven fifty, dollars and that was within the client's purview. Then we'll take our finder's fee out of that seven fifty, dollars and the commissioner will still make his money. So the client gets a project, uh, the, or the commissioner gets a project, the client gets his models painted, and we still make some money at it. So everybody wins. Yeah, that uh, sounds like a good deal. And the only kick to it is, is that we need to pick a couple services that we'll vouch for. So it can't just be anybody. So it has to be services that we feel like are best represented. I created a blog post link for this in the show notes. So follow the blog post link. Look over the description of the, the referral program. And then if that's something you think you would be good for and would be on board for, um, contact us at NFL at com. Again, we're only looking for a couple services to start this out because we don't want to oversaturate this. And this is basically a lead generating program. You will not owe us anything unless you book a commission. So there's no risk. Like if basically if you if you quote a guy and he doesn't and he doesn't you know take the quote, you don't owe us anything. But if you do manage to like land a client, then we will you know get our finder's fee. Um, and it's kind of on a good faith estimate. But if we look at your Facebook page and see you painting models that we quoted. And you know you know, you know what I'm saying like, right. this is, the, the point of this is to develop a reputation with a, a younger commissioner, kind of help guide them through the process, mentor them a bit, get them to the point that their service is built up, and then they don 't need us anymore, then they can just do their own thing mm-hmm. and we 'll find some new services to put into the program. so I had never well, talked to you about that before now that you're hearing the this first for the first time, already, yeah what do you think about that
1: it's a good idea. I definitely could see how it could benefit i mean obviously there's plenty of artists who like my myself who couldn't find like anyone right. to really do a commission with. So that's kind of why I came to you um, and been working with you. Do you, you think if sense. this kind of
0: program existed at the time, you would have wanted to benefit from something like that?
1: Um, Yeah,
0: definitely. Like if I was like, well, I'm not hiring, but I have this referral program, would
1: you be interested? In that? 100%, yeah. yeah. I mean, because for a while I was just doing stuff part-time. So, I mean, it would have been great just to fill in evenings or weekends sure. with a little bit of way to make money. So.
0: And again, we're not guaranteeing this is going to work. Like some people may, like in, in that case of that client that we just talked about, this client may have a budget of like three hundred dollars, and that may yeah. be below even what you will quote as a yeah. referral commissioner. Um, but maybe it is low enough that you can afford to do it. Maybe you're like, you know what, three hundred dollars is three hundred dollars. I don't piece. It's a portfolio it's piece. Portfolio piece. Right. Yeah. yeah so exactly. A lot of um, artists have to start small, and make nothing. <laughs> so. One of the one of the things I've learned over time is that a lot of commission artists like you don't have the money to sink into product to paint. To not sell. Right. Like you want to paint this thing, but this thing costs this much money. You don't have that money. You can't be out that money. So that's why you need clients to provide you with product. Mm -hmm. This kind of scapes around that. Like you get the benefit of all of our advertising. You get the benefit of everything we do. We get the benefit of a little bit of the money you'll be making. Um, You'll still make the majority of it and the client gets service. So everybody wins. Yeah. Um, So we're going to launch that as a pilot program. Um, Check for that in the show notes. Follow the link. And if you think you're a good Mitch fan, fit for that, email us immediately at games.com Slots are limited in that. Uh, okay, we're going to take a quick break, and when we jump back in, we're going to be interviewing Justin with Secret Weapon Miniatures, and we will be right back after this. Need a model assembled or painted but no money to spare? White Metal Games is now offering trade-ins. Send us pictures of your old models, bits, boxes, even new kits. Make us an offer we can't refuse. Don't like negotiating and haggling? White Metal Games also offers consignment services. You can send us your old models, books, games to sell. We sell them through our eBay store, and you pocket 55% of the sales price. You don't have to worry about eBay fees, PayPal fees, shipping fees. There's no crazy percentages, just easy money. Contact us at info at whitemetalgames.com today. Hey guys, welcome back. We're going to jump into uh, our uh, Tips on technique segment for the night, and we're uh, interviewing Justin with Secret Weapon Miniatures tonight. Um, Justin is, uh, I guess you might call him, an entrepreneur and a savvy business owner, and we're going to find out more about what makes Secret Weapons uh, Miniatures what it is today, how he grew the business, and Justin, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you very much. Good to be here.
0: Um, so, Justin, I first um, found out about Secret Weapon Miniatures a few years ago, um, kind of through awesome paint job, um, I was looking around for some washes at the time, and um, Lester Burley had been doing some washes, and I think you guys kind of picked that up as a product. Uh, this was many, many years ago, and oh, yeah. that led me to your site, and I was just kind of blown away the first time. The first time you come to the site, I think it's fair to say it's, it's a little overwhelming. There's, like, a lot. there's yeah. so much going on. It's like it's it's kind of a one stop hobby shop. It's got. You know resin bases, and it's got you know just washes. It's got weathering pigments, brushes, um, brushes conversion <laughs> bits. Like it's kind of the place you could go to get just about anything. So, first off, congratulations on all your success. Um, but before Thank we kind of get into that, I wanted to kind of find out a little bit more about how the business got started, um, how you got into it. I know there's some information about this on your about us page. Uh, but why don't we just start back at the beginning. How did you come up with the name Secret Weapon Miniatures, and, and what was the inspiration for starting the business?
2: Uh, well, the inspiration for starting the business uh, was having a kid. Uh, my wife and I had been, uh, well, at the time, we were planning to have a child and wanted one of us to be home for those first three years. Very important to us. Uh, but she loved what she was doing, and my job was literally killing me. Uh, acute hypertension and a stress-induced being ulcer uh, from the stress of the job. Uh, so I wanted to be home. Uh, she would have gone bonkers, as she put it, being home all day, and I figured I would actually just do commission painting while the kids slept.
0: So you started and, uh, doing just commission painting like, like any other commission paint service?
2: Uh, well, actually, I, I wound up not. Uh, that had been my plan. Uh, when I was at my last job, uh, more as a fun exercise than anything else, I had done a market analysis and a competitive analysis for some of the resin-basing companies out there just to see if they could make money and, and to put together a plan for how one would work. Uh, my wife actually proposed that. When I said I would do commission painting, she pointed out uh, quite correctly that it would probably make me hate painting for a while. Sure. So, uh, and it, you know, it, what about it, that business plan yeah. you put together? And uh, so, yeah, I wound up using the business plan that I'd put together for no particular purpose uh, to create Secret Weapon.
0: So <laughs> the first product you guys had, I guess, was your resin basing. Is that what I'm hearing?
2: Correct, yeah. We started with the resin bases.
0: Okay. Um, and now that product line has swe- swollen to... Mm-hmm. it's It's huge. Like, you've got ranges for everything. In fact, we have a commission in house right now that we're using some of your bone fields on, um, and it's, it's really great. Like they're super comprehensive. They're available in all sizes. Um, so we're, we're using them literally on every single model. Um, they're easy to access through your online store. Plus lots of distributors have access to them. So it's a comprehensive product and it's easy to attain. And just looking at the product up close and personal, it's a really clean looking base. Like we see a lot of bases come through here and it's a, it's a good looking product.
2: Thank you very much. Yeah, I did take uh, a lot of pride in the quality of our bases. So,
0: what leads you from starting a a company like this in the first place? I know you said your your wife and you talked about it, you created this business plan, but it's kind of a niche hobby. Some people might say that it's a little bit of a a risky industry, because it's not, you know, not everyone needs mini wargaming or or wargaming stuff. Um, Everyone needs, like, lots of other commodities in life. So, you know, with that initial risk, like, what was the motivation other than just is it just health, lifestyle, or was, did you, were you worried about kind of starting
2: up? No, no, not terribly worried about it. Uh, it either succeeded or it failed. I, I had the luxury of being able to go back to the other work when my kid was three. Okay. Uh, I'm glad I don't have to. I have no intention of doing it now. I intend to stick with Secret Weapon for as long as I can. Um, very happy doing what I'm doing. I, I actually wanted to do this when I was a kid. Uh, mine was one of those situations where, you know, people pat you on the back when you say you're six years old, and you say, oh, I want to build and paint models for the rest of my life. And they pat you on the back and say, well, what else do you want to do? Uh, and I did that for 15 years. I took a, a, a big break in the hobby. I didn't do anything in the hobby for 18 years. But for 15 of those years, uh, I spent time uh, working my way up into business development and business analytics. Um, I've done some advertising. I've done some marketing. I've done some PR on, on that path. Uh, and while I, I wouldn't want to go back to that work full time, uh, it did give me the foundation to you know help Seeker Weapon grow and get into the position that it is today. So no real regrets.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, a lot of those skills, I mean... You know, obviously, hobbyists come from all different walks of life. A lot of our clients are doctors, lawyers. So it's it's never, you know, we're all united in the fact that we enjoy these kind of games. But I'm sure a lot of those skills translated very well when you kind of cooked up your first business plan, launched the business. So can you tell us a little bit about that, how your background played a part in, in kind of getting the business to where it is today?
2: Oh, sorry. Well, like I said, at the at my last uh, quote-unquote real job, uh, like I said, I put together the, the marketing plan and the business plan. Uh, looking at the companies that were out there at the time, uh, selling resin bases, so I did start this with a plan and a background in business development. Sure. Uh, so it was kind of a cheat on my part. I knew how to start a business, I knew how to write a business plan, I knew how to uh, uh, create a growth plan, and, and all of that. And uh, so what
0: did you find with the business plan? Did you find that resin basing was a low risk way to get into a hobby market?
2: Uh, no, at the time, in particular, it was uh, fairly well saturated. I mean, I actually helped some. Uh, I've helped a lot of folks, or at least provided a lot of advice to folks that wanted to get into resin base making, and uh, I forget the name of the fellow now, but there was a guy who was actually pouring resin bases in the uh, bathroom of his dorm, uh, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> so at the time, you know, it, it seemed like everybody was doing it. I'm, I'm sad that so many of those companies are gone now, um, what, honestly. It's probably I'm, a, I hope, a bit because so of the
0: oversaturation did. of the market, I would guess.
2: Uh, well, it is certainly less saturated I, I, in terms of the number of companies, but in terms of the quantity of product out there, it's it's certainly a tight market. Uh, you know, there are only about half a dozen companies that you know people even recognize these days that still do bases. Uh, you've got more inserts. There's still risk, uh, but at the end of the day, as long as I have uh, you know some themes and, and quality that people want,
0: sure, we'll keep going. So, um, you said you took a break from the hobby for about eighteen years, and then you got back into it. Um, what mm-hmm. kind of hobby do you participate in today? Do you, do you actively play or are you more of a, you know, business owner and then occasionally you get in a game or, like, what, what about... Oh, your God, I still today, play
2: as right? yeah. often as I get the opportunity, as often as I have the time. A sure. uh, challenge for me now is, particularly since the, the parenting is, is such an important part of this for me, yeah. uh, the idea of go sitting down to, to play a game of 40K or something for two or three hours, even a game of War Machine for an hour and a half, two hours, uh, is a bit of a trick for me, um... I've played more X Wing in the last uh, couple of years than anything else, just because you know you can get on a, a table there and in a small game wrap it up in a half hour or so. So it, it's really what I play these days is mostly time limited rather than interest. Sure. Well,
0: it, it sounds like with you being as busy as you are between running your own business plus you know being a full-time dad, that you definitely have to have a strong support structure behind you. So other than I'm guessing your loving wife and your kids, what kind of uh, people do you employ that kind of help you get through your day? What are their responsibilities? Like, What's the -the behind-the-scenes staff at Secret Weapon? What do they do?
2: Oh, God, we've got a great team. Uh, I actually am not at the warehouse these days. We've got a warehouse uh, about 10 minutes down the road from where I live, and uh, I'm very seldom there these days. They they don't need me. Um, I've even been chased out of the casting room just because I'm so out of practice. The last time I came through to help casting, uh, my failure rate was too high. (laughs) So, uh, um, yeah, they've chased me out of that work, uh, and they're fantastic. I've got... um, uh, what for? Full time people now um, working out there at the warehouse. That's great,
0: um,
2: and they do a tremendous job. Everything from the uh, casting and uh, oh, mold masters. Uh, they make the washes for us. They get everything shipped for you guys. It's uh, it's a great team, and I literally, honestly, couldn't do it without them. And, I'm and glad to have. And for people
0: that don't know, where is Secret Weapon Miniatures based out of? Like, what part of the what part of the world are you? Is your warehouse situated in?
2: Sacramento, California. Okay.
0: Um, there's actually frontline gaming's out there too, yeah. um, in that general area. So there's a lot, a lot of gaming going on out there. California seems to be the place to be. Yeah, for gamers for Didn't, sure. Didn't,
1: uh, like, next level Pain just move out there too? Like, uh, yeah, they did. <laughs> yeah, they did.
0: Um, so, uh, when you say like, so now you've got me thinking about this, when you say failure in terms of like, I've been pouring some resin, um, terrain recently, I, we, we've, we've, uh, um, relaunched our terrain service. And uh, I had kind of a, I think you might call it a failure, like I, I, I mar- matched equal parts of this resin compound, and when it um, cured, it kind of, I don't want to say exploded, but I want to say <laughs> erupted, like in a very, hmm. very big way. Have you ever heard of resin going bad?
2: Oh, uh, well, or- i resin going bad, and it, there's a lot of things. Uh, the resin is an incredibly sensitive, at least the, most of the polyurethane okay. resins that we work with. Or is a very sensitive material. Uh, The biggest culprit is usually water. Moisture. Um, That makes me feel better. The humidity in the air can ruin a batch of resin for you very, very quickly. Okay.
1: Mm -hmm. right, so that's probably what happened, because uh, this area is prone
0: to humidity. Yeah, yeah. Well, (laughs) North Carolina is a pretty humid area,
2: so... Oh, yeah, yeah. North Carolina is going to be a bit damp for you. And it's the same thing if you uh, open and close your resin on a regular basis without putting some uh, nitrogen into the container to, you know, get the... uh, the oxygen out of there, it, can, it just starts to um, oxidize while it's in the jug, and then sure enough, you go to pour it a week later, and uh, yeah, you've got a, bad, a batch of bad resin. So it seems
0: like you've learned quite a few um, lessons over the years, like because that's something I, I've been pouring resin for years, and I didn't know that. So clearly, like you've, you've had some, you've had a learning curve here.
2: Um, oh yeah, yeah. We've also had uh, good support from uh, some of our suppliers that have come out and helped us out, uh, and I had the good fortune, a, a buddy of mine. Um, uh, chemist. who uh, was uh, between jobs and not wanting to be bored. It came and worked with us for a few months. Uh, so mm-hmm. also had the benefit of a, a professional chemist on staff for a while. That's awesome.
0: Um, yeah. So how did you make the leap from resin bases into some of your other products?
2: Oh, well, that's a good question. Uh, the big one for me, of course, is the, you know, weathering pigments and now the paint, um, it, uh, certainly from, washes. From the
0: About Us page, like you kind of very briefly outlined it. Like in 2010, you started with this, you added weathering pigments. The next year, you added secret weapon washes the next year you added you know this and then in 2013 you added this and and so it kind of tracks that general progress but these are like you know these are i wouldn't say major moves but these are like clearly you plotted this out clearly you thought your way through this so you know take us through that first step like you had the bases ready to go those were those were a, a successful market and then you decided to launch into your next thing so how do you make those choices as to where you should move into next. Is it kind of luck of the draw, like, hey, this guy's got this product, we want to sell it, or is it more like you think through it and you're like, this is what the market I want to jump into next?
2: No, it is definitely all planned. I'm definitely thinking through it. The only uh, quick reactive product were the uh, Seacrof and washes, and that's because at the time I was still doing some commission work. And man, uh, I used uh, Lester's washes on, on every one of those projects that came across to my desk. Sure. And I wasn't gonna paint in a world without them. And that's what I was faced with when, when Lester said that he was gonna stop making them. Uh, yeah, I was, no, that was not gonna be okay with me. <laughs> so I immediately had to, to scoop those up. Um, And did, so that was the only one that was uh, reactive. But in terms of the the weathering pigments, and now the acrylic paints, and other stuff that's coming for that, um, I definitely have a long-term plan for the weathering side of things, because that is where where my passion comes in, uh, is in narrative gaming and weathering. Um, So those two uh, product lines, you can actually see how they're being planned, how they're being expanded. Um, In the case of narrative gaming, uh, that turned into the tablescapes tiles, uh, which started with terrain. We had some of that scrapyard terrain that matched the scrapyard bases. Um, And then I wanted a scrapyard table. Uh, So that idea of being able to create narrative gaming is definitely one of those things that's uh, not only mapped out to get us where we are, but uh, for a few more years, we've got uh, another good five year plan for uh, narrative gaming, especially on the, uh, oh, tablescape side, to to bring all of that together with more terrain and more bases and more support.
0: I think the tiles are great. I actually picked up a set of those the other day. Um, I was doing um, a display board for a project. And I was looking for a way to make something that I could very quickly turn into about a three-by-two surface that could also break down for shipping very easily. And the tiles were the perfect solution. They were just kind of like, I can buy them in a large box. I can use the tiles I need. I can put away the other ones and save them. Um, They're modular, so they click together super easily. They're adjustable. I can put them all together and make a board. Um, It's great. And it, it seems like there was a real need for that in the market and that you just kind of You know, it it seems like very common sense, but no one else was doing it, or if they were doing it, they weren't doing it to that extent. So, how did that come about? Because that's a very different product, I think, than anything else in your store. Like, they appear to be like a vacuum, a vacuum form mold kind of product, or or something like that, which is a whole new, this isn't like buying, like, custom recipe washes from Lester Burley, like... Where you just like you mix this part this and this part this and it's very different than a regular resin. This is an entirely new product line with entirely new rules. So how did you make that jump into that? Because that's I would say a very very aggressive product.
2: Uh, yeah, and in that case there was a big learning curve. That is actually um, injection molded uh, uh, high impact polystyrene. So that is the you know same kind of plastic that you'd see in uh, a good quality GW model. Yeah. Uh, and this meant working with uh, factories in China. It meant working with three D designers, milling, tooling. Um, yeah. Uh <laughs>
0: <laughs> So what did you learn from uh, as they
2: say, you know, I wish I knew now what I knew then, or rather the other way around. I wish I knew then what I know now. Um Are you saying that it would have been a no... much different project?
0: Okay. Would you have still would you have still done it?
2: Oh god, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Tablescapes uh really is a a big part of my vision for the future and like I said, the, the narrative gaming side being so uh important to me as a, as a tabletop gamer, that that narrative really matters to me. I like showing up on a table that's uh uh, themed and that has matching bases. I like playing with painted armies.
0: So do you still actively paint? Do you do any commissions or do you just paint for yourself
2: now? Oh, I do. I still do uh, commissions. I still paint for myself. Uh, I tend to only take one or two commissions at a time, keep them in the queue. Generally larger projects now. Uh, oddly enough, people keep wanting me to weather vehicles for them. I'm not entirely sure why. Uh, <laughs> kidding, of course. Uh, still happy to do it. Um, yeah, so I've got one actually literally right in front of me right now. I've got a vehicle that I'm weathering up uh, on commission um, and converting and detailing and all of that, and that's still fun. But yeah, I don't do a lot of that just because uh, it, there's not time. Um, and in this case, you know, my uh, commission customers have to be very patient. <laughs>
0: uh, so are these commissions, is, is, is it that you have like a website for your commission business or is it more of a referral service?
2: Referral service, and I tend to post on Facebook when there's, you know, an opening and say, hey, you know, next month I'm going to have a spot open if somebody wants to get something done.
0: Sure. Um, So, I guess maybe would you say that the tiles were the biggest risk you've taken or the biggest learning curve to date or would you say that... Oh, absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And so with that, like, how did you find that entire experience? Do you want to like try it again with a new product and get the guys from China back on board for something next or...
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. I want to expand the tablescapes tiles line and we've got some other ideas uh, that we're actually going to bring to factories in China. And, uh, we'll have more to say on that later this year, but, uh, yeah, there's definitely going to be, there's definitely gonna be more.
0: So, um, what advice would you give for people that are kind of like young entrepreneurs that are looking to get into the hobby business? Like you said, in the beginning, you were, you were testing out the resin market for bases. Other people were doing it and you kind of, you know, you kind of learned as you went. Um, what advice would you give for people that want to get into the hobby business, but aren't quite for sure? They don't have your background and experience as a fortune 500 company manager. They don't really know where to start.
2: Uh, two big ones. Um, focus on a core product. Uh, it's very easy, and it's certainly something I did in the early days of Secret Weapon, to, um, to shotgun ideas. Um, decide what you're going to do and do that thing. Do it very, very well. Uh, try to avoid you know, that shotgun approach. It's too easy to do, and it can distract you from your core products. Uh, the other one is, is find companies that you want to work with in advance. Uh, companies that you may have a good relationship with or that you want to develop a good relationship with uh, where your compliment or your product line may complement theirs. Um, find ways to work with those companies, particularly if they're larger companies that have a good reputation for community support. You know, if you're going to do um, oh, no example comes to mind off the top of my head, but uh, you know, if you're going to do something um, you know, try to find a way that you can work with a larger company to get some of their support, get a little cross-marketing, sure. a little cross-cultural well, support. Company,
0: I mean, even though Secret Weapon has a lot of different things, I'm sure there's lots of things that you, you basically either don't have yet or want to work with or, or you know. Uh, like, for example, we, we talk a lot with Frontline Gaming. They have gaming mats. You guys don't currently have that available, but if you made a, I don't know, a basing set to match one of their mats, that'd be a good opportunity for partnership.
2: That'd be a good opportunity for a partnership, yeah, exactly, is to find ways to complement existing product right. lines from other... Yeah,
0: Before you, I mean, I'm sure that eventually we'll see Secret Weapon jump into that. It seems like it's the only market you haven't explored yet. <laughs> uh, but yeah. For all I know, you have, you just haven't like, launched... No mats.
2: Yet. We have no plans for mats at this oh, okay. time.
0: So can you give us an idea of what you are looking into next? Like, what can we get excited about in the future? Without giving away... Uh, well, anything. there'll
2: certainly be more weathering products, more paint, more terrain. Um, those are the big things I'm focused on right now. And uh, cool. yeah, there's still more of that coming. All right, great. Some new bases too. It's been a while since we've gotten to do a new base theme. So we've actually got a couple of those in the queue.
0: Nice. Uh, was there any kind of specials or anything you want to tell potential customers out there about coming up in the near future? Or anything that people can get excited about? Anything you want to bring their attention to?
2: Oh, definitely keep an eye on the Facebook page for more of the uh, Secret Weapon acrylic paints. Uh, we're going to have more previews up here pretty quick for the uh, second batch of 15 colors. Uh, the weathering line will include 30 colors, and we've got some really exciting products in that in that lineup.
0: Without getting too deep into it, because paint, like acrylic, when you say acrylic pigments, and obviously you have your own paint line and that sort of thing, that seems like a whole another niche market, too. Like, Can you give us a little brief look at how you jumped into that? Like. Because uh, it seems like, from an outsider's perspective, all you really need is you know acrylic and some sort of you know binding agent and then some sort of like solvent. But I'm sure it's more complicated than that. So, how,
2: how did? Oh, well, it certainly doesn't have to be. I mean, the secret weapon washes are a good example of that. We jumped into that with materials that you can get from by, you know your local uh, art and hobby store. Um, in the case of the secret weapon acrylics, uh, we are working with Reaper miniatures. that is based on the MSP line oh, okay. um, of Reaper paints. Uh, So I'm actually in Texas uh, regularly meeting with Ann Forrester there who is um, making that paint line with me and she's been at this for an awfully long time. Very good at what she does. All of that with you know sourced U.S. materials. Uh, So we are manufacturing them in the U.S. with materials that we're acquiring from the U.S. so that we can control quality and we can control uh, toxicity and all of that. So you're
0: saying like all of the pigments are coming out
2: of the U.S.? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The entire thing. It's an entirely American product there. but that is one I would not have jumped into by myself. I had always planned to do the acrylic line, uh, mostly because from a, a color formulation standpoint. This is another one of those where, where um, my passion for what I do was driving me a little bonkers with the products that were available on the market. There are great paints available on the market, uh, but there were two things about uh, specifically colors formulated for weathering uh, that I didn't like. One is that they're almost always uh, uh, airbrush-ready. I'm not a fan of airbrush-ready paints, the ones that are pre-thin. Uh, and the other is the colors didn't do it for me. I'd get a rust set that was purely analogous browns. You know, it might have a yellow on the end and an orange in the middle, but it was largely analogous color set. Um, I wanted to vary that a lot. So, uh, you know, again, the first set that we did, of course, was the rust sextet for the weathering line. Um, and it starts with a, a black-green. The next color is a purple um, a lot more realistic yeah. for for my approach. A lot more uh, representative of my approach to those colors. Um, so I knew I wanted to do that. It was just a question of finding the right companies to work with. So again, a nice partnership with uh, Reaper Miniatures in that so case. So they
0: kind of gave you access to, um, uh, I guess, either their product or their. They kind of you know took took an existing thing and modified it for your own product line. I mean, that seems that seems like that seems great.
2: <laughs> that was great. Yeah, it seems um, like you
0: kind of personalized it to your. Because what I'm hearing a lot of from you is that. There's a way you like to play. There's a way you like to game. You wanted to kind of bring that to the market. So in a lot of ways, people exploring your product line is getting to know you a little bit closer as a hobbyist and the things you prefer.
2: Yeah, sure. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, it is definitely a reflection of my passion for this hobby on all of those sides. That's awesome.
0: Um, All right. Well, Justin, you've been great today. We really appreciate your time. We really appreciate you bringing some of the insight about Secret Weapon Miniatures um, to our listeners. Um, And we can't wait to see what you guys have cooking next.
2: Thank you very much. I look forward to showing it off.
0: So guys, just hold on one second and we'll be right back after this. Let's be honest. You'd rather be playing than painting. Let White Metal Games take the hassle out of painting and assembling your miniatures. We have a team of dedicated professionals who will make sure your miniatures stand out on the tabletop. Contact us at info at whitemetalgames.com. White Metal Games. Put your minis where your mouth is. Hey guys, welcome back. We're going to jump into our one-minute rants or gush, and uh, it looks like we actually have one of each today. Um, So I'm going to start things off today, Um, talking about all this small business stuff has has got me thinking a little bit. So I'm going to rant for a minute or so about small business, um, poor man's mentoring is what I've been calling it. Um, So I have a mentoring service. Um, Basically, it's thirty bucks an hour, and I do Skype calls with clients that want to learn how to build their commission business, how to grow their service how to that kind of thing you know i answer questions that they might have had uh, in the beginning like how do i do this how do i do that how do i reach my audience that kind of thing Uh, but what i've learned very quickly is that people will reach out to me on facebook and they'll ask a question or two and i'll answer a question but then we'll start a dialogue and it'll kind of they'll kind of get all the advice for free so i've had (laughs) to stop doing that uh basically someone will be like hey how do i build my commission service and what i've learned is i have to give like one tip for free, kind of like a drug dealer. Like I have to dole out a little <laughs> bit. I have to like go to their page and be like, uh, this is what I noticed. I noticed that your pictures are low quality. Or I noticed that your workstation is cluttered. Or, hey, I noticed that you're only doing tier and that's all you paint. Maybe paint something different. Mm-hmm. So I'll give them kind of one tip for free. But I've learned very quickly that I can't give them more than that, or I undervalue the service. So this is a rant about, like, If you want to learn how to run a business, I am more than happy to mentor you Mm. at a very fair rate of 30 bucks an hour, but I'm not willing to do it for free. Um, Here's here's a free tip. Building a business is hard work and it takes a long time. There's no quick way to it. There's no easy way to it. It, It's a combination of luck, saturating your markets, using social media to your advantage, reaching out to the right people, and also having some skill. Um, It's hard work. So there's no free, easy trick to it. It's harder now than it used to be uh, because there's more services than ever before. But I'm more than happy to share that advice at a rate of 30 bucks an hour (laughs) via Skype. I'm not going to keep giving out free advice. I can't do it anymore. Um, I will say that if you become part of our referral program, though, um, you can ask me questions through that, and I'll be happy to answer them. Because I'm kind of looking at that sort of as like um, a mentor-mentee relationship. Like, I'm going to help you out as much as I can. I I want your businesses to grow. uh, Because the more competitive the market is, hey, the more more clients there might be. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So that's it for my rant today. Uh what about you? You got, you have a to gush today?
1: Yeah. So, um I recently picked up uh some brushes and we've talked about these in the past, but now that I've been using them a lot, uh the Windsor 7. Okay. Winsor Newton 7. They're um they're watercolor brushes, but these are they, like they are like Cadillac of brushes. These are very But lower they're not water. actually not that expensive. Um I bought all four of these brushes for just under $50. Sure. Which when you compare to like GW? Yeah the same brushes like the artificer brush it's a twenty dollar brush yeah so like it's really not that bad and these brushes how, much, know, was, like,
0: how much was the set you said
1: it was about it was a little under 50 it's not bad not at all no and these brushes last a long time if you take a little bit care of them how like many brushes are in the set four that's good so i got uh, ranging from basically uh it was a triple zero to a one so okay. it's basically your it's mostly detail brushes artificer brush yeah. to like a standard brush or base coat brush sure um but I mean, they hold paint great. It's smooth flow off of the brush tip. It holds a point great. So
0: are these um, are
1: these sable sable brushes? Yeah, they're pure yeah. uh, sable. I, I actually, don't really know. Kalinsky sable, I guess, yeah. is what they are. So I'm not sure what that means. But I know so, it's, ex- um, it's fine. sable <laughs>
0: refers to there's an animal, uh, mm-hmm. and that's where they get the fur from for the brushes originally. And Kalinsky sable is a special type of. Um, it's not, it's not a sable. I don't think that's the name of the creature. It's like a fox, kind of. It's sort of like okay. a fox. But it's because of the bristles of their fur um, uh, retain moisture, retain water, yeah. and they, they are known for like, how they bounce and that kind of thing, and like their stiffness and their firmness. Mm-hmm. And, and so those are very sought after for brush makers. Yeah. Um, so that makes perfect sense. Um, but that's awesome. That's actually a really good deal.
1: And if you're looking for a good place to buy them, amazon.com has them for a really good price. Nice. Like almost 50% off. That's so, crazy. Yeah. so maybe we'll put a link
0: to that in our in our, in our gush. Sure, so people yeah, can definitely. follow the link and purchase that. Um, very cool. I'm actually really hard on my brushes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I have this thing where if someone like consigns product with me, if they want to, I had this artist a few years ago consign he gave me all of his, he didn't give me all his brushes I bought all of his brushes so now my desk has like a bajillion brushes <laughs> so because of that I'm really hard on them but even though I have that many brushes I find that I, I use the same ten over and over again Yeah. like I get used to them because um, they're kind of like Jonathan was joking about one of them the other day I was like, that's my workhorse, man. That's like, I've gotten used to, like, even when the bristles stick out of weird places, I'm like, no, I know how to work. Yeah. I've like, exactly. gotten used to it. I know how to turn it's it. It's not frayed. It's just, it's, it's right. So <laughs> it's just, it's loved. You'll be painting with like, a broom soon. It's like <laughs> when a little girl has a dog that's 80 years old and is about to die. They're like, no! Like, I will hold on to it. It will live. It will not live. Uh, all right. We're going to take a very, I got dark all of yeah. We're going to take <laughs> a quick break, and when we jump back in, we're going to jump in with our outro, and we will be out of here. And we'll be right back after this. Hey guys, it's Caleb with War Council. Are you a purveyor of stuff? Are you an entrepreneur with something to preneur? Do you sell things related to tabletop gaming, painting, or some other aspect of the miniatures hobby? Would you like to advertise to like at least three listeners a show? Then you've come to the right place. World Council has a limited number of sponsorship slots available. Each slot guarantees you a banner ad on the White Metal Games website, and we're like 300 likes on Facebook right now, so clearly at least 300 people can be bothered to click the like button at some point in time in their lives. For $20 a month, we'll promote you and your products on the show. For $10 more, you can have an entire 30 second commercial. Like this one, only you know better and more relevant and stuff. Email us at info for more information. And until you do, put your manis where your mouth is. Hey guys, welcome back. That takes us to our outro. We are out of here this week. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Mr. Justin of Secret Weapon Miniatures for being mm-hmm. on the show. Uh, we really appreciated all the insight into Secret Weapon. Next time on the show, we should cross our fingers be talking to <laughs> Bo of Army Painter. Uh, Army yeah. Painter, the Army Painter specifically. They are a a painting company based out of Denmark, and um, I've been very impressed with their product, their brushes, their um, everything they do. Yeah, um, their washes are, are super good. Um, and so, although last time he had to cancel at the last minute, he has reaffirmed, and he should be our guest next time. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he isn't, oh, I don't really have a good backup plan at this point. We'll have to come up to something. I want to with prepare boat. one just in yeah. case. But. Um, he seems like a nice guy, but I think that the problem is there's a six-hour time, time difference. Yeah. So That's it's hard. like we have to broadcast at 9 a.m. our time to be 3 p.m. his time. Um, so it's like, man, it's yeah. a lot
1: of difference. It's, it's, it's difficult. Um, but um, one thing that me and Caleb were discussing is uh, for our guest speakers, uh, if you guys have any questions for them, since we are announcing yeah. them a couple weeks in advance, uh, please shoot us some questions uh, that you'd like us to, to ask on your behalf.
0: Um, so, or- for example, if you like want to know about how this is, how like, hey, what about army painter color this? Like, how does this? Mm-hmm. I don't know what a question would be, but yeah, yeah. Joe Schmo
1: from so yeah, exactly would like to know. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, too, if you guys have any suggestions on people you'd like us to interview, um, we've gone through quite a few, but. There's tons of other people out there, so we'd love. Yeah, to... Yeah, we've
0: been really so far. It's been great. Like for the most part, we ask someone to interview, and they just say yes. Yeah. Uh, we've only had a couple of people decline, um, but generally speaking, people are flattered and um, they appreciate it. And we we want to talk to people that we think have an interesting perspective in the hobby market, mm-hmm. um, something who someone who brings something to the to the table that you wouldn't normally know about. Um, like I know that you know with Mister Justin, for example. I love all of his products, but it's cool to figure out, like, see how he kind of got there. Yeah. Um, and with Bo, like, hey, I know that paint comes out of bottles, but I don't know how it starts. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I understand that it's basically you take pigment and red solvent, you add salt and you add lime and you call it a day, but that sounds really dumb now. Like, there's yeah. gotta obviously out. more depth. Right, sure, sure, sure. So, we're hoping to get some insight into that. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be a hobbyist, it could be anybody, uh, anyone that's loosely related to the industry. If we feel like they're a good fit for the show, we will absolutely reach out to them. It could be you. Maybe maybe you have something unique you want to bring to us. Uh, All right. Well, that's it for this week. Um, As always, feel free to leave us a review uh, on iTunes. Feel free to rate us uh, there. We we really need some ratings there. We'd love to sort of see what you guys think about it. You can also leave a visitor post um, on the Facebook page, which we'll leave a link to in the show notes somewhere. Um, and finally, the Matt giveaway will be next time on the show, episode twenty nine. So feel free to listen into that. And then leave a comment on the Facebook post for episode 29. I want to be very clear about this so people understand. Mm-hmm. And there's no one like, I don't understand the rules. I want to be very clear. Like, this is the rules. <laughs> on episode 29, we'll do a post on the Facebook page. You must comment there. In the meantime, leave us a rating or review. That'd be great. Uh, so until next show, my name is Caleb Dillon with My Metal Games. And I'm Phil Corman with Brushwork and Minis. And until then, put your minis where your mouth is.